Even today, most people might joke about the tire pressure light on their car, but we take it very seriously because, again, the only thing connecting you to the road is your tires. Between the car that you're driving and the pavement that you're on, there's only one thing that is touching the ground, and it's your tires. And so often people ignore it. I think most people probably fear brake failure more than they fear any sort of tire-related concern. But I would say tires are more important than brakes all day long. Being able to stop is only as good as your tires allowing you to stop. Before any world-changing innovation, there was a moment, an event, a realization that sparked the idea. Before It Happened is a show about that idea. Each week, we take a deep dive into a singular light bulb moment that inspired the visionaries to push forward and change our lives. I'm your host, Donna Laughlin. Nearly 20 years ago, I launched a public relations firm with the sole purpose of helping visionaries tell their stories to the world. Now, two decades later, I want to share those stories and more with you. This podcast takes you on a journey before it happened with the innovators who imagine and are still imagining the future. Ever since I was a child, I was curious about so many things. I spent hours in the garage, at science fairs, sifting through popular science, popular mechanics, and pretty much any journal I could get my hands on, exploring and discovering how things work. From transportation and AI to just about anything you can put in your home, office, or pocket. On this show, you'll hear from the innovators themselves as they tell their stories of how they brought those visions to life. Grab your passport and let's go on a journey together. Today's episode is a story of two brothers who combined a shared passion for automobiles and their entrepreneurial spirit to launch an e-commerce startup that brings tire repair and installation right to your car, wherever it may be. Komal and Anup Chung are family and they love cars, but in some ways they could be more different. Kamal is an aerospace engineer by trade. His first job out of college was at Elon Musk SpaceX, where he was a design engineer in the Falcon Heavy project. He later made his way through the Bay Area tech scene. Anup was less studious. In college, he struggled to settle on a major and later dropped out. He preferred to concentrate on what he calls his side hustles. He was always looking for opportunities to turn his car obsession into a career. Together, Kamal and Anoop eventually launched Zor Tire Repair, an innovative, no-contact, mobile tire repair service that has attracted investors from Silicon Valley and has already expanded out of their native Kansas City. They have big plans for Zor's future, but we talked about what brought them here in the first place. This is Kamal and Anoop's story before it happened. Kamal and Anup Chung are first-generation Americans whose parents came to the States from northern India when Kamal was a small child. Anup was the only one of his parents' children born in the U.S. The family originally settled in Boston, where Kamal and Anup, Anup's father and uncles, opened an Indian restaurant. Eventually, they relocated to Kansas City in search of cheaper rent and lower cost of living. It was there that the Chung family flourished. They eventually opened several restaurants across the Kansas City metro area, and it was truly a family affair. 
Kamal and Anoop, in particular, enjoyed working for their father and watching him be his own boss. Anoop says he was fascinated by watching him juggle between cooking, washing dishes, and interacting with customers. It taught him at a very early age what it would take to run his own business. That hustle mentality, that constant entrepreneur, you have to do a little bit of everything, you have to get your hands dirty, but you can also be very ambitious at the same time and also dress the part and do those things was always fascinating to me. And so I think at at the root of what we do, I think hospitality was a big part of shaping us into who we are today. And it's really allowed us to have a very unique perspective when we consider the industry that we're in and what we're doing today. I think hospitality is widely underrated. And most people agree that if you've never worked at a restaurant before, you should certainly do it at least once. Where we come from, we really value honesty, straightforwardness, and working hard. I think that goes a long, long ways for our parents and anybody who originates from Northern India, because it is very much an agrarian society. People work day and night to sort of extract value out of their lands. I would say it's really all about earning an honest living and doing good to society. So giving back whenever you can is of great value. And that's sort of the same mentality that we've brought into every business that my parents have been involved in, as well as the business that we're building today. I think me and Komal growing up in the same house had very similar values, but also saw things a little bit differently. Komal was born in India, and that was a little bit different. And then I was like the only sibling that was born here. And so it was slightly different in respect to that. Growing up at an early age, I remember when I was four years old or three years old, I would follow my dad around to work every single day. I didn't know what to do, so I would always be following him around at the restaurant. I remember very vividly, there used to be a gas station right up the street from our restaurant. And I remember going there every single day and picking up the latest copy of Car and Driver or Road and Track magazine. And I would bring it back to the restaurant and I would sit in my little corner and just study the magazine and grab some printing paper. I was really into drawing and creating things. So I would just sketch cars all day long. But from a very small age, the idea of creating things was just always there. That's sort of the reason why I went to engineering school because I thought, oh, okay, I can maybe take my passion for creating things and pair it with cars and the automotive industry. But as a kid, I was kind of the quiet, creative kid, you could say. Anoop was also creative, but far from quiet. He describes himself as the family troublemaker. Like his brother, he was passionate about cars, but he had a little interest in learning how they worked. He liked remote control cars. He had a massive collection of Hot Wheels, but he was more interested in how they looked. I was very into just playing with different mechanical things, although I've never been mechanically inclined. And so, you know, I enjoyed tearing things apart, but I never knew how to put them back together. And I think that's where me and Gomo maybe work well is I would tear things apart and he would probably be the smart one that would actually know how to put it back together in that sense. And growing up, the spoiled kid, like I had a huge collection of Hot Wheels and such. You know, there's always this like fantasy of like, man, I wish like one day I want to like, I had this weird idea, like I always wanted to wash cars. I want to be like, work at a car wash, open up a car wash. And like, I was like, man, one day I'm going to, 
I'm going to detail Ferraris and I'm going to do that sort of thing or work on Ferraris in any capacity, right? That was like a dream of mine. And today we've been able to achieve that dream and, and been able to do it, you know, multiple times over and over again, which is amazing. So let's elaborate on it a little bit more in regards to your intersection of interest and both of you are passionate about cars. How did that influence and what you're doing today? The career choice was sort of accelerated when I was in college. And I think there was like a, a pivotal point in my college career where I had a complete mentality shift where I sort of went from this mindset of seeking a job to actually wanting to build a company. And that was after my first internship, right? So I spent most of my years in college on a design team where we actually used to design and build race cars. And that sort of took my passion for cars to another level. And because we actually got to design and build things from scratch, it also sort of gave me the confidence to be able to go out and basically set my eyes on anything and create it. But it was really the moment when I was at my first internship in Chicago, I realized that I didn't want to work for somebody else. The minute I got exposure to what corporate America was really like, that was the moment that I decided that I need to start exploring other ways and other opportunities of creating and building a company from scratch. And that was sort of when we, both Anoop and I, had started to sort of take on a lot more side hustles. So it really began with buying and selling car parts and flipping them. So we would buy something off of a friend that we knew from the car community that we were affiliated in, and we would then sell it on Craigslist or sell it on eBay for a slight profit. And that slowly escalated to buying and selling cars, reconditioning cars. And that's also where we first discovered how painful it was to get your tires replaced. And that's where the idea for Zor sort of sprung up. And where did you go to school? I went to school at Missouri S&T. So it's Missouri University of Science and Technology. And that's in Rolla, Missouri. So it's like a small, tiny little town outside of the Ozarks in Missouri. I was a mechanical engineering major, so there was a good deal of theory involved, and then there was a lot of practical hands-on classes as well. I think the classes where I learned the most was from those classes where I actually got to touch and feel things and actually build them. So looking back at my college experience, I always thought I could have gone to art school. That was probably my like second passion. And when it came to engineering, like that was always the thing that excited me the most was anything that enabled me to design and create. So I was always fascinated with computer-aided design and, you know, modeling things on the computer in 3D. That was always a fantasy of mine in my educational career. And what was your first job out of college? So when I graduated, I actually remember talking to my friends and they all had job offers by the time they graduated. But I was actually one of the few that didn't actually seek a job until after graduating. So a few weeks after graduating and walking the stage, I applied at SpaceX. And it was just kind of interesting timing at the time. Within a few weeks, I had a job offer and I was moving out to LA. So I started at SpaceX as a design engineer on the Falcon Heavy project. So we were basically in the early stages of designing and building this rocket 
that was going to carry heavy payloads into space. It was while living in Los Angeles and working at SpaceX that Como started to think seriously about launching his own company. I sort of met this person kind of out of the blue, and I'd heard of Tim Draper kind of loosely, just read about him at the time, and I wasn't super familiar with the tech community, but that was definitely something that I wanted to learn more and more about. Yeah, I think that was one of the most interesting connections I made while I was at SpaceX was through a mutual friend that ended up leading me to move to the Bay Area where my career path sort of took a different path. Anoop, while this was happening, what were you doing in Kansas City? Yeah, just to backtrack for five seconds. Middle school into high school, I was detailing cars. So I actually took that passion and actually like turned it into something. In high school, me and Gomo were flipping car parts, as he already mentioned. And then going into college, we were starting to flip cars. And so I went to school at University of Missouri, Kansas City, UMKC. It was a conveniently located university. I was still living at home and I was still helping my dad with the restaurant. And then I was also doing all these little side projects, side hustle things. And so I tried to take school seriously. (laughs) I really did. I started off as a economics econ major, switched over to entrepreneurship. And then I switched over to marketing. And then at the end, I realized that None of these things really interested me, or maybe there just wasn't enough value in them for me to feel like I was getting my money's worth. And I switched over to finance. And this was in the middle of flipping cars, helping my dad at the restaurant. And then also we had started Zor in the middle of that. And it was to the point where I felt that there was more experience to be had running a startup, running a company, working on this than to be going through school. And so that's when I ended up deciding to leave and not finishing that portion of the educational system. And who is your inspiration? You know, that's a great question. It's funny. At our house, my mom was very into making sure that I graduated and got a degree and that sort of thing. And then on the other hand, my dad was like, why do you need a degree if you're going to work for yourself anyways, right? And he's like, why don't you just like drop out now? And so, you know, ironically, like growing up, I was always like, I I had this thing. I was like, I want to be like my dad when I grow up. I didn't know exactly what what that meant. I think I understand it better now, but maybe not fully. But that was my inspiration is like my dad being his own boss, doing his own thing, being very hospitable, having a good time while still working hard. I think even today, he's been a huge part of our journey and also been a a really valuable mentor to us, or at least as we've been going through the growing pains of, of a business where he's been doing it for the last 25, 30 years. So let's talk about Zor. Come on. Let's talk a little bit about the light bulb moment. You both have passion for cars. What was that moment when you thought, well, the world needs a zero contact at home or at business next level tire service? Yeah, I think the moment was when I had moved to LA, I was all of a sudden exposed to a whole new world where there was infinite opportunities, so many other different types of businesses Uh, And this was in the early part of 2014. So some businesses had started to be transformed by technology. Delivery of goods and services was starting to sort of take off. And I think at that time, I came across a company that was doing something very similar. It was focused on delivery of some form of auto repair. And that's when I sort of had that 
aha moment was like, we'd been having so many issues with getting tires replaced on these cars that we were buying and selling. What if the tire shop could come to us? I asked myself that question repeatedly and continued to ask it for like almost like a year, year and a half until, you know, I just said, man, I can't come up with an answer to this question. So why don't we build something where the tire shop comes directly to us? So like, it it was just literally this process of just trying to come up with an answer to a question that I just couldn't come up with. And at the time I had shared this idea with my dad and Anup early, early on, and, you know, they sort of had the same reaction to it. So that was one thing that I learned early on was like, if you have an idea, just share it with as many people as possible and get their feedback. I think it was very apparent that this was a problem that a lot of people faced. Tires are a commodity that almost everybody needs to move around on, and they're extremely inconvenient to have service. So it felt like a problem that was worth solving. So that's why we ended up building it. So why tires instead of bodywork or engine repair? Yeah, absolutely. Starting with my race car engineering background, the tires are the most important component of any vehicle. You're literally held to the road by these four tires on a motor vehicle or two tires on a motorcycle. That's where I sort of got the foundational knowledge of how important tires were. And when I was actually 19 years old, I was driving back home from college Uh, And this is like a three-hour drive sometime like mid-February. So in the Midwest, February weather can swing in any direction. Like it could be 70 degrees one day or it could be 20 degrees the next day. I don't have a full recollection of what exactly happened, but I remember waking up in the back of an ambulance. And later on, I found out that I had swerved off the road and up an embankment and hit a rock. The car had actually spun 180 degrees and smashed into this rock. And literally the back bumper of the car was relocated to the back of my front seat. So that's how harsh of an impact that was. And that was sort of a an eye-awakening event because looking back at it, the only way my car could have spun out like that was if there was a tire failure or if my tires were not up for the task and like maybe a deer ran across the road and I had to swerve and my tires didn't have enough grip. So looking back at it, you know, I even noticed that one of my wheels was missing off the car. So there's quite a possibility that whoever worked on the car previously may have not tightened the lug nuts, or maybe there was an issue with the tire that the tire shop sold me. So that was really something that I discovered over time, after thinking about it for a long time of like, what could have gone wrong? Because it was sort of a mystery, like nobody really knew. But yeah, that was sort of another factor that contributed to us focusing on tires, because it is a safety component. It's the most important safety component of any moving vehicle. And that's sort of what we try to focus on at Zor is ensuring that all of our customers are always driving on a safe set of tires. Anup, do you remember your brother's accident? I do. I do. And it was a tough moment to kind of wrap my head around what had happened. A lot of different emotions. And also, 
being car guys, it was always like, wait, what went wrong? What happened? What was it? What was like, you know, and that like that idea of like, okay, like I really want to see what happened, what like what this was. And like, first off, like glad you're okay, right? But like secondly, what was the issue? And you know, like going back, I remember like looking at the photos and just seeing so many things where, you know, one of the wheels was broken, one of the tires was missing off the car. There's so many different variances. And part of the problem was we knew cars very well. We didn't know tires very well at that moment. We didn't understand DOT codes, meaning like what is the production date of the tire. We didn't understand certain pieces of understanding what a proper tire sidewall should or shouldn't look like in respect to age and premature weathering and cracking of the tires. And so it really opened up our eyes to understand the tire market more, understand the safety component of tires more. Even today, most people might joke about a tire pressure light on their car, but we take it very seriously because, again, the only thing connecting you to the road is your tires. Between the car that you're driving and the pavement that you're on, there's only one thing that is touching the ground, and it's your tires. And and so often people ignore it. I would say, you know, I think most people probably fear brake failure more than they fear any sort of tire-related concern. But I would say tires are more important than brakes all day long. Being able to stop is only as good as your tires allowing you to stop, right? Kamal was 19 at the time of his accident. Anup was 14. And Kamal was lucky. He suffered only minor injuries. Though they were still a few years away from launching Zor, Kamal's tire-related crash was something they never forgot. In fact, they soon added tires to the growing list of car parts they bought and sold on the side. By the time Kamal had his aha moment, Anoop had already learned quite a bit about the tire market. He liked Kamal's idea of a mobile contact-free tire service, but he just considered it another idea for a side hustle. I think the first time that he mentioned it, (laughs) selfishly, I was just like, it was just another toy, right? Like it was like another idea of like another toy in our hands that we could use to help whatever we were doing. And so, you know, the first thing that came to mind was like, okay, great. Now we can change our own tires for our own cars, right? We had these side hustles that were going on already. So I was really excited. I was like, okay, this seems like a really good idea. And we both came to the conclusion that there was a problem in the marketplace when he presented the idea. He's like, hey, what what do you think about this? And I was like, I didn't know that that was the solution for this, but I like it. And it wasn't just one problem we were solving. There was multiple problems in the market, whether we're talking about supply chain for tires or we're talking about service quality, or we're talking about transparency, or we're talking about pricing of the product and the services or the convenience. Mind you, this was before Uber, Lyft, Rideshare was maybe as popular as it is today where you can drop off a car and get a ride quickly back home. So yeah, lots of different reactions at the moment, but I think overall, the understanding of what we were building and what this could become one day and such was not fully understood until we really got into it. Kamal was 24 when they decided to go all in on their business idea. Anoop was just 19. It was 2015 and Komal had only been working professionally for a short time and Anoop was just another broke college kid. They decided to call their company Zor which in their native Punjabi language means strength. They had little startup cash and no funding to speak of. So they realized that they would have to launch their company on the cheap. 
to get our start, we really sort of identified what was the minimum viable product that we needed to build. And essentially what that was, was a van with some equipment inside of it and somebody to do the labor. So me having some of the engineering background that I did, I got as creative as I could. We got a loan for a cargo van that we went and drove out to Indiana to drive back. On the way back, we actually picked up the tire changing equipment that we needed from a supplier and we fitted everything into the van ourselves. So that's sort of where we got our start, just putting things together as scrappy as possible from our driveway, essentially. And once we had it all kind of put together, we had to learn how to use the equipment. So that was kind of the funny or I guess ironic part of what we were doing was that I had built this van and all this fancy equipment inside of it, but I didn't know how to use it. I didn't know how to change a tire. So we had to teach ourselves the ABCs of changing tires. And then from there, moving forward, in order to get this business off the ground, we needed to go and change tires and start generating revenue. So that's what I spent a good part of the first year doing was hands-on going and talking to customers, understanding what they thought of the service, whether we were doing something right or whether we were just, for lack of a better term, spinning our wheels. So yeah, that's kind of where we got our start was it was just a lot of sweat, blood, tears, just to sort of stand up the foundation of this company that we started to build systems around and started to sort of scale from market to market. So it's 2021 now. Let's talk about the service. The best thing for a new baby, describe the service in just a quick sentence and then talk about the impact that you think that you're having on people's lives now. Yeah, that's great. Starting off, like I said, you know, it was one of those things where like we didn't know what it, what this was or what what it would become one day or, or our ambitions were as vast as starting this up and being able to at least service our own tires and service our friends and family's tires because we knew that, that it was a clear pain point. But moving forward, you know, fast forward five, six years now, we've serviced thousands of customers between the markets that we're in today. We've allowed people to take their time back, right? You know, that's been a big thing that we've understood, you know, when we think about personal growth, you know, what is our time worth? What is the customer's time worth? You know, what are some things and means of quality of life that our customers could be doing that they aren't doing when they're spending their time at a traditional brick and mortar tire shop? That was one piece of it. Another piece of it was, you know, thinking about the people that we resonate with or resonated with growing up was these, you know, car guys, car enthusiasts, whatever you want to call them they understand and value the service more than, you know, any customer out there because they appreciate the level of care and attention that we've taken towards building the business, building our vans, building the service, our customer success team, our technicians, you know, almost our entire team is full of car guys that really value and understand the passion that our customers have. So our customer base is very vast. We have car enthusiasts on one end, you know, that are very interested in understanding how the service works. We have the normal consumer. We have the mom who juggles, you know, taking care of three kids and just doesn't have time to go to the tire shop, take all the kids, buckle them up and go out. And, and that's been amazing to be able to service those customers. In a COVID world, we, we see all the elderly, people that we wouldn't think that we would ever be able to reach because they might be offline. Maybe they're not on the internet or they, they don't, you know, they don't see us as a viable option. You know, they've been searching for these things. And like, I think the most satisfying thing for me is when kids will book 
uh, services for their parents, you know, elderly parents or what have you, or grandparents even. And that's been really cool to see and, and be able to make an impact where we're able to offer this really high quality service for a fair, affordable price for these people that from the safety component, you, you know, you're borderline saving someone's life. That's really powerful. And then on the flip side, you know, we have customers, big fleet customers and the largest fleets, the most next level, next generation fleets out there that any bit of downtime, even minutes, seconds, hours, equates to thousands of dollars lost. Being able to help those businesses and offer them a viable solution and service where they're able to go on and do the services they're doing and serve their customers while allowing us to, to offer our services after hours has been really rewarding as well. Great. Kamal, your brother just mentioned COVID. You offered a no-contact service before we even knew what social distancing was. How has the pandemic affected your business? Obviously, this time last year, I think everyone was pretty much in shock. But we already had a service that was delivering services in a contact list manner. So for us, in terms of operations, everything was pretty much the same. We just added a few extra safety protocols to our technicians. I think what's been really interesting to see is how consumer behavior has shifted and how businesses are sort of approaching working with companies like us. So from the consumer point of view, we're seeing more and more people searching for tires online. And that's sort of how we had positioned ourselves early on was we're sort of in a hyper-local e-commerce company. So you buy your tires online on our website, and then we deliver and install them as soon as the next day. So that niche that we had scratched years ago actually started to show signs of maturing and becoming more of a mainstream thing. So I think we almost saw a acceleration of several years of consumer adoption related to services like what we offer. Similarly, I think businesses having to downsize and become more efficient are looking at services like ours in order to streamline their operations and run more efficiently. Previously, I, I could tell you like a lot of fleets that operate in large metropolitan areas were running highly inefficiently because they are very reactive to maintenance rather than being proactive. It ends up costing them thousands of dollars down the road. So what we actually have done and have refocused on is how can we add value to those customers? How can we improve efficiencies for these fleets? So our business since COVID-19 has actually taken not a complete pivot, but a slight pivot towards more B2B fleet servicing. So right now, you know, we perform services for consumers during the day. And during the early morning hours and the evening hours, we're now utilizing our trucks almost twice as much because we're servicing fleets during those off hours because these fleets have to be on the road during the day. So that's something that we discovered as a result of COVID-19 was there's actually a way for us to run our business more efficiently by helping other businesses run more efficiently. That's great. And so the types of fleets could be like ambulances to pizza delivery, plumbing services. Everything under the sun, everything from your last mile delivery services to your local plumbing companies, local small businesses that have maybe one or two vehicles to large mega fleets that have hundreds, if not thousands of vehicles nationwide. 
those are the sort of the companies that are driving our growth into new markets as well. In the urban environment, there's countless types of fleets that we service. Anoop, are there any specific incidents or case studies that happened with an essential worker during COVID that really stood out in terms of getting somebody to work on time or maybe to the hospital in time or any regard? Yeah, absolutely. There's been so much of that. We serviced multiple nurses, doctors during the pandemic, and it was so rewarding to be at these hospitals, at these clinics, servicing these customers that just fundamentally, one, didn't have time to go out and do these things. But secondly, they also didn't want to risk their health and safety in respect to going to a traditional shop. So, you know, there were so many pieces to the puzzle, and it was overwhelming the amount of support that we got from some of these first responders that were, were helping out during the pandemic. Think firefighters, think police officers, think nurses, doctors, everything. And even today, even today, you know, despite things luckily calming down a bit with, with COVID, we're still getting the same feedback from our customers regarding how thankful they are for not having to be in a, a traditional tire shop during these times. Even before the pandemic, Kamal and Anoop were thinking about growing Zor outside their native Kansas City. They completed prestigious startup accelerated programs like Y Combinator and Techstars Mobility. And they continued to attract interest from investors from across the United States. Finally, in 2019, they successfully expanded to Dallas. And in 2020, they relocated their company headquarters there before expanding even further to Houston. But they don't want to stop there. Kamal says additional markets and even additional services may be in Zor's near future. Today we're in three markets. We're in Kansas City, Dallas, Fort Worth, and Houston. But there's another 30 to 40 markets across North America that are very valuable to us. And we believe that there's a lot of customers out there who would value a service like ours. So getting to those markets is our next big move. That's sort of what we've been working towards for the past several years is building a playbook that allows us to get there. So we're kind of in this transition mode of kind of hitting the go button, but we've been prepping and practicing over and over to ensure that this blitz scale goes really well. And what about other services besides tires? Since the early days, we've always had requests for additional services. And we repeatedly have said no, because we wanted to perfect tire service delivery. Tires are a very complex logistical business. Just getting them to your door is a very large challenge. But as we have mastered this first component of a vehicle, we have started to look at other additional lines of uh, services that we'll be launching soon particularly for our fleet customers who have a need for a one-stop shop. Anything that a vehicle consumes, whether it's brakes, wiper blades, fluid replenishment, those are all things that are coming very soon. But I think most importantly, what's next for us is growing our market presence. Yeah, I think that the biggest, most critical thing to building any business or any organization or anything in general that is meaningful is having a really strong foundation. And from where we started to where we've come today, I strongly believe that what we've done is we've built the strongest foundation that we will ever be able to achieve. 
in respect to tires, tire installation, tire delivery, logistics of tires, and then also the mobile segment, which which is really, really important. And so, you know, it's been a long road. It's been bumpy. There's been a lot of turbulence. There's been a lot of learning experiences. There's been a lot of challenges. But, you know, like they say, anything worth building, you know, it takes time. That foundation has to be strong. And, and you know, we, we've obsessed and obsessed and obsessed over the service quality, over how the service works and things of that sort. And our numerous five-star reviews, I think, tell that story really, really well. And we're really grateful for our customers, number one, but we're grateful for our team that's helped us achieve those results. And so now that we have a really strong foundation, we're, we're ready to scale this and take it nationwide. And, and, and we strongly believe that we'll be the number one mobile providers for, for tired services across the country. There's a lot of different ways to build businesses and there's no right or wrong answer, but we believe strongly in, in the core values that we have, which is quality, transparency, and ease of access to the services. And so with those core values in mind, we're, we're excited to take things to the next level and, and expand coast to coast and offer services to customers all across the board. And what do you wish that you knew before you started this venture that would have helped you maybe move it along further or just jump-started it? I would say, I mean, we we made pretty much every mistake under the sun. As like a first-time or even a second-time founder, no business is easy to build. Every business is hard in its own unique way. If we were to build this company all over again, we would do things perhaps a lot differently. We would set up the team a bit differently. We would optimize for our personal strengths a little bit differently. I think going through the process of running and scaling the company to where it's at today, both Anoop and I have learned what we're really good at, what we're not very good at, and what we should hire somebody to do and what we should delegate somebody else to do. So I I think that's probably something that nothing could have prepared us for because you literally have to go out and do it and fail at it countless times to be able to understand the dynamics of a business. And also like businesses pivot, like early stage startups pivot and they change direction all the time. That also means that your company and the team you build also potentially has to change. So change is the constant within a company like this. And I don't think anybody could have taught us that that is the way a startup works. (laughs) So it was really a matter of just getting our hands dirty and doing it and learning from it and then taking the next step to be able to move on from those mistakes and correct them. I think the biggest fallback or I think the biggest issue with a lot of organizations, large or small, startup or corporate or otherwise, ends up being the leaders that end up actually taking the business to the next level. And, and oftentimes what will happen is the lack of willingness to fail or you know the fear of that can often lead to the lack of growth in respect to the organization, the team and everything else. And so one thing I strongly believe in is that the personalities and the traits, character traits and the values and morals, all those things, they bleed into your organization, right? No matter what the organization is. And so in that same essence, I think, what we've built so far has been a strong correlated effect of what we believe to be right, what we believe to be fair, and how we perceive business and how we perceive certain things at the beginning. 
as you grow personally, you also grow professionally. And I think it's just critical to make as many mistakes as you can and learn from those mistakes and then fix those mistakes and do better. That was Kamal and Anoop Chung, co-founders of Zor, two brothers who watched their father open a chain of Indian restaurants and vowed to become entrepreneurs just like him. And these days, if we want to find their company's biggest cheerleaders, they need to look no further than their parents. In fact, Anoop says that mom and dad are not only repeat customers, but have sometimes been better at selling Zor's services than they have. Before It Happened is produced by me, Donna Laughlin, along with Studio Pod Media. The executive producer is Katie Sunku Wood, and all episodes are written and developed by Jack Brewer. Our show coordinator is Deanna Morency, with additional editing and music provided by Noda Labs.